Hey, it's Nick. Welcome to the Upgraded Executive Podcast, where my good friend Ben and I will be discussing the tools, techniques, and strategies that you can use to upgrade your own personal and professional performance. We have recorded the first 10 shows, and we will be releasing these over the coming weeks, so be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out. So in this episode, Ben and I are discussing sleep which is of fundamental importance to your performance. As part of the show, Ben and I will be sharing the most common problems we see clients have with sleep, our own personal stories, and the tools, techniques, and strategies that you can use to ensure that you get a great night's sleep. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? I'm great, Nick. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. So today we're talking about sleep. We are indeed. Should we... First of all, discuss um, having a bad night's sleep and what it can mean to people. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great place to start. And I think that, I guess we can both relate to situations where we've had a, a horrible night's sleep and then you wake up the next day and either you haven't had quite the right quantity of sleep or your quality of sleep has been really poor. And personally, I feel it really puts me on the back foot every single day. If I look back to times where I haven't had a great night's sleep, it's generally meant that my morning ritual has sort of not been as effective or just hasn't happened. So I think you know, getting a great night's sleep is really critical to people's performance. Yeah, I, I agree. I think as somebody that struggled to have consistently good sleep for quite a while, certainly previously, it compounded and compounded in a, a negative way mm. so it's really important that people get the basics right and sleep is really the linchpin if we can get sleep right then the rest of the stuff is a lot easier yeah i think you're right i think you know the content that we're talking about in these 10 episodes is all interconnected yeah. if we were to sort of single out probably the most important thing it's to really focus on the quality of your sleep yeah Quantity is important, but it's not as important as the quality. Now, I think if we look at for somebody that does have poor quality sleep, what the downsides are, there's quite a list. And it's not a particularly good list either. It reduces lifespan. Mm. It reduces memory. It reduces creativity. It reduces aesthetics. Um, it helps with weight gain. Yeah. It increases food cravings. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes somebody more susceptible to colds or flu. And it increases the risk of diabetes, of a heart attack, of a stroke. And also it increases the risk of depression. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a long list. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of those things are absolutely true. And they're probably sort of slightly longer term manifestations of having poor quality sleep for a period of time. But there's also the the here and now in the moment, you know, you get cranky with your wife, wife, Mm. you get cranky with your kids. You know, you have that report that you have to do for work and you just procrastinate, 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 procrastinate until you have to do it. And then you're so tired, you then start making mistakes. Sure. So, so I think there are two dimensions. There's the sort of here and now, how you're performing in work and life more generally, and then sort of the longer term consequences for 
not only your career, but as you point out, your health as well. And what do you think is the knock and impact with poor quality sleep to the economy? So I moderated a panel of sleep experts in 2018. Yeah. And there was a guy there from the Rand Corporation, a guy called Marco Hafner. And Marco did a study. It was a global study on the impact that sleep has on various global economies. Mm. And they worked out that the impact on the UK economy was $50 billion a year due to poor quality sleep. And that's just absolutely staggering. And even though these, these studies sometimes have a margin for error and they can be quite subjective, mm. even if it's half that amount, a quarter of that amount, that's a huge number. And I don't have the stats at hand, but I believe the number in the US was over 400 billion. Yeah. So if we can help people improve the quality of their sleep, it's only going to help them personally, but it's going to help the wider economy as well, because you have more productive, efficient, happy staff. Yep. And as you say, it's, it's the bedrock for, for performance, both here and now. And also, if somebody's having inconsistent sleep over the medium to long term, so it's massive. Yes, huge, yeah, absolutely. Should we talk around our experience then? Yeah, that's a good idea. I always felt as though I had really good sleep. I'd fall asleep fairly quickly. I'd wake up probably with the alarm rather than without the alarm. And I'd probably get somewhere between, probably between, say, six and eight hours sleep most evenings depending on what i was doing with work commitments etc sure i always felt as though sleep was never really a problem until i started measuring not the quantity of my sleep but more the quality yeah so i first started measuring my sleep using an app called sleep cycle um, then i moved on to using the aura ring and what I found out that astonished me was the, qual the quality of my deep sleep was terrible. Yeah. Like, like absolutely terrible. So every evening I would be getting below 20 minutes of deep sleep every night. I should be getting anywhere between one and a half to two hours. And I did everything, Ben. I was, I was trying to sort of find the one single thing that would increase my deep sleep. Mm. I, I tried lots of different supplements. I tried sunlight in the morning, I tried going to bed earlier, not exercising in the evening, eating earlier. Eating yeah. earlier made, made a reasonable difference. Yeah. I stopped using my devices um, an hour and a half before bedtime. That made a slight improvement, but not a great deal. So I was sort of getting up to maybe 30, 35 minutes of deep sleep and evening, which was a big improvement from where I was, but still nowhere near where I needed to be. And the sink, and I tried for ages and ages, but the single biggest thing that made the single biggest difference was changing all the lights in the house at nine o'clock at night from being bright to being an orangey ready tint. And I had to persevere because it didn't happen straight away, but probably after about two weeks, my deep sleep scores went through the roof. And it's because LED lights, I had the house renovated three years ago. So yeah. we have LED lights everywhere. I have the hue lights where you can change 
colors, but they emit a huge amount of blue light. And blue light is telling your body that it's midday. So therefore your body stops producing melatonin. It's melatonin yeah. blocks you into a deep sleep. Yeah. So it took me a long time to work it out. And now, fortunately, um, I'm able to get between an hour and a half and two hours of deep sleep pretty much every night. Here's a great example. Last night, I was on the laptop later than I should have been. I had the Flex screen app turned on so that it was orange. Yeah. And last night, my deep sleep scores were around about 45 minutes. Right. So I know categorically, for me personally, blue light at night destroys my deep sleep quality. Very interesting. How much deep sleep should somebody be getting? Between... 90 and 120 minutes. So that made a massive difference to you then from going from 15, 20 minutes to, did you say an hour and a half plus? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, if you don't have the ability to be able to make your lights orange and red, which I know most people don't, yeah. you can always buy a pair of blue blocking glasses. Yeah. We can put these in show notes. Um, these are around about, I can't remember the exact price, but they're less than a hundred pounds. I think they're less than a hundred dollars actually. You look a bit weird when you put them on. <laughs> I'm not a fan. They're not really conducive to bedroom activity. Um, but actually, they're really effective at blocking all the blue light. Sure. And actually, this is where I started before I started turning the lights down. And this is how I realized that it was the blue light from the LED lights that was um, damaging my deep sleep. Yeah. I, do you know what? I think for me, it was probably six or seven years ago when I bought a, a notebook and I got into the habit, and it's not a good habit, of taking that to bed with me and then wasting time internet surfing. Mm. So I, I had a blue monitor right in front of me, and that's how I would go to bed. And I totally agree in terms of your point around melatonin, and that really played around with how much melatonin was being released, meaning that massively impacted my, my sleep quality. And I didn't realise this, and again, that compounded week after week to the point where I was just having really inconsistent sleep and waking up at two or three and being wired and then really struggling to get back to sleep and then falling back to sleep but maybe four or five and then having to get up an hour or so later really really not good and repeating that cycle and the catalyst for me was definitely taking that note notebook up to bed when i realized this and studies have shown that blue light from notebooks ipads suppresses the amount of melatonin that's released and up to 50 percent meaning that somebody is not going to be able to go to bed quickly and at the right time i would i would read so i i got into the habit of leaving all my all my gadgets my phone my laptop my notebook downstairs to force me to not look at them and to instead read which made a big difference that's great. Funky glasses, but I will look at those. <laughs> yeah, these are from a company called True Dark, and we can put the link in the show notes. So when you were on the laptop at night, what was the call to action for you that made you then think, right, no more laptop, no more devices, I'm going to read? And how quickly did it take for your sleep quality to then recover? Um, so I, I was habitually doing that for years, and it's around the other stuff in terms of, meditation and having a productive day that got me to look at all of this in terms of I guess Maslow's hierarchy of needs sleep's number one mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily prioritize it in terms of that order and, and I should have done in, in hindsight so it was a realization along with lots of other stuff going on in life 
in terms of what I should be doing and coming to the conclusion from from reading a lot that I should be prioritizing sleep mm. and that what I was doing wasn't doing me any favors certainly from a health point of view and I was wasting lots of time as well you know what was I actually doing at night that was productive and it's not a great way to turn off I was just internet surfing I don't know what the outcome was it, it was just a waste of time whereas books um you know that's interesting because I'm reading stuff that I'm passionate about so yep. I'm learning which is great and it's really calming my mind down and setting me in for a good night's sleep um, to the point where I can feel myself getting tired when I'm reading. I can feel myself nodding off. So that's when I'll put the book down and turn the light off. And I have a great night's sleep now. And most importantly, I'm not waking up at two, three or four, thinking about the next day or whatever might be going on during the day. I can have a, just a great night's sleep. So I think in terms of, I only recognised this probably six months ago. And that was from having a, not an optimum routine four years probably six or seven years and thinking that was a normal routine to have and mm. it's really not i was definitely a benchmark for bad practice in, in, terms of, in terms of sleep and i mean this will go into the other podcast that we're recording if we can get sleep right then that sets us up for all the other stuff so if we can get it right the night before that sets us up for the following day yep. and i hadn't twigged that as, as silly as that sounds the penny definitely hadn't dropped until semi-recently with me around this. I think it's not uncommon, Ben, and I think that lots of people that would be listening to the podcast would be able to relate to our stories or other people's stories around when I go to bed, it takes mm. me a long time to drift off, work's flying through my mind, I can't switch off. Or people who will wake up at 3 or 4 a.m., they feel as though they're wide awake and then they can't get back to sleep and then worries and anxieties start flowing through their mind. And we all know that sleep is critically important, yet we have this human habit or condition where we think it'll be okay. And then we're just allowing ourselves to get distracted and we're almost procrastinating what we're going to sleep. So I think that you know the more that people can do to put themselves in the best possible place to have you know, great quality sleep, then as you say, it sets themselves up for the next day superbly well. And, and even you can go as far as saying that if people can get their sleep in the absolute sweet spot, then potentially they can cut down on the amount of sleep they need. And therefore, they end up having more time during the morning or during the day to do other things. Plus, I think also, one of the things that people don't realise is that we all have a very specific chronotype. So some of us will naturally be morning people. Some of us will naturally be evening people. Some of us will do our best work in the morning. Some of us will do our best work in the evening. There is actually an online quiz that you can take, which is called the powerofwhenquiz.com. It's by a sleep expert called uh, Dr. Michael Bruce. And you take the quiz and he will actually tell you what your sleep chronotype is. I can't exactly remember. You can either be a bear or a wolf or a dolphin, and I think maybe an owl. You don't want to be a dolphin because those are the insomniacs. Most people are bears. The wolves are the people who like to stay up, stay up late at night. So it's not an owl, but we can pop that in the show notes. Now, if you are naturally a wolf, you can spend a huge amount of energy trying to be a morning person, but it, that's going to be a real hard fight. So what you want to do is, is to think about when do I naturally do my best work and just go with the flow and don't try to fight it too much. So if you do your best work at night, do your best work at 
like, but that then may become difficult if you've got a day job. You're an entrepreneur and you can work your own hours, then that's fine. If you need to be in an office by 8 a.m., working until 2 or 3 in the morning, isn't going to do you a huge amount of good on three or four hours sleep. I was going to say, I view this now as having a digital sunset, so which is where I consciously don't look, like I said, at, at my phone, at my laptop. So that includes emails and not responding to people that are trying to get hold of me, as well as being consciously aware that a lot of the apps and software companies are very clever and they make a lot of money because their apps and software products are highly addictive. Mm. So having a cutoff point, a number of hours before I'm actually ready to go to bed. I don't look at any of them, just put them away. Yeah, I think that's, that's great practice. I think that, you know, we can too often fall into the trap of, oh, I'll just look quickly on Facebook, or who sent me what on WhatsApp. Yeah. I was working on a project last night, so I made a conscious effort that I was gonna finish, I was gonna finish the project, and then wake up slightly later this morning. I think, when people make an intentional decision to do something around technology, that's fine. Yeah. It's when you sort of catch yourself picking up your phone and then before you know it, you're in bed and you've been on Facebook for 50, 50 minutes and then you think, oh, you know, what am I doing? I think those are the moments where, to your point, leave your phone downstairs or in the office or in a different room so that you can't fall into that habit of, oh, I'll just have a quick look at the news before I go to bed. I think if, if a pharmaceutical company came up with a drug and the proven outcomes, it makes you live longer, mm -hmm. it enhances your memory, it makes you more creative, it makes you more attractive, helps keep you slim, lowers food cravings, protects you from cancer and dementia, wards off colds and flu, mm -hmm. lowers the risk of heart attacks and strokes and diabetes it makes you feel happier it lowers depression and less anxious people would be queuing up to buy it and those are the outcomes of compounding of good night's sleep so that's why it's so important that we get it right yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more i think people are always looking for that quick fix that one magic pill that they can take that means that you know they fall asleep with an instant, they have the best night's sleep ever. You know, people may feel as though sleeping tablets have that outcome, but actually yeah. they don't, because you wake up in the morning feeling dreadful because you've been in such a groggy deep sleep that you know it doesn't give you that rejuvenating power that you know a really good, great night's quality sleep gives you. Nick, I think you talk about this in your book in terms of, and it's just to make people aware. I think there's a difference between going to bed before 11 o'clock where somebody's asleep and afterwards in terms of the sleep pattern. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so what happens is we have this sort of natural hormone sequence that goes through the day where in the morning our cortisol goes up and our melatonin yeah. comes down. What happens is, is that because of our circadian rhythm, if you are awake after 11 o'clock, we have a sudden kick in of cortisol and that's why people who are watching game of thrones and it's 11 o'clock at night and they go should we just watch one more you have yeah. this like second wind that happens yeah so what you want to avoid is you want to avoid that second wind of cortisol kicking in at around about 11 o'clock to try and get to bed before then so that's the reasoning behind it plus also 
know, getting to bed before 11 means that you've got a good window of sleep in the evening, even if you want to wake up relatively early. And certainly in my experience is that if I go to bed sort of before 11 o'clock, my deep sleep lasts for longer. Yes. Whereas if I go to bed too late, then even if the lights are low, I tend to have lower deep sleep scores. Yeah, it makes a big difference in terms of the quality of sleep. And in terms of the hour and a half cycles, how many should somebody be getting per night? What's a good aim? Yeah, so typically we'll sleep in 90 minute cycles. Okay. Yeah. They're not perfect, 90 minutes. You might be 85 minutes, I might be 92. But we can put the methodology in the show notes on how you can measure what your cycle is. You can do some testing at home to work out exactly what your 90-minute deviation is. But you want to be sleeping in 90-minute cycles because what, what your body does is it goes into, let me get this right, goes into light sleep, into deep sleep, into dream sleep, back into light sleep. And you go through these cycles, okay? What you're really aiming for is, is ideally four, five, or six cycles a night. Okay, so it's either six hours, seven and a half hours, or nine hours. Okay, nine hours is probably too long. You're probably going to be doing a nine where you seriously need to catch up on sleep. So probably mm. the sweet spot is somewhere between six and seven and a half. Okay, we've all heard of this magical, you need to have eight hours a night. Okay, there was a study done on 1.1 million people around their sleep habits, how long they sleep for, and how long they live. And quite unbelievably, the people who slept five hours of the night live longer than the people who slept eight hours a night. And the optimum sleep for mortality was around about six and a half hours. Okay, so that could be somebody who's on a, uh, let's say, they're having four sleep cycles a night and their sleep, and their sleep cycles live 95 minutes-ish. So we can put in the show notes how people can measure that. I guess where most people want to be is is around having five sleep cycles a night, yeah. so around that, so seven and a half hours, which could be from seven hours to eight. What you really want to be doing is is waking up before your alarm. Yeah. And now I generally wake up before my alarm most mornings because as I'm coming out of the sleep cycle, I'm naturally waking up. Um, and you can get various devices now that shine a light as you're coming out of your sleep cycle. The sleep cycle app that I mentioned earlier where you can monitor the quality of your sleep, that has a, a built-in alarm too. So it knows when you're coming out of a sleep cycle and will wake you up within a, I think it's a 20 minute window. Yeah, my rule of thumb, and it is just a rule of thumb, is to try and go to bed when it gets dark and to try and wake up naturally when it's getting light. Not, not always practical, but that's what I'm aiming to do each night. Start to get into my, my nighttime routine, my bedtime routine, when it, when it starts to get dark. I don't watch much TV anymore, so I like, I like reading. So no electrical devices, leave those downstairs. I don't have any caffeine post two o'clock. If I've had a, a late afternoon or an early evening caffeine, I really feel it and I can feel wired going late into the night. I think the other things that you can do to really improve your sleep quality is to make sure the room is nice and cool. Yes, yeah. 
be wants to be around 18 to 19 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Now I know fans can be quite noisy. Um, I'm seeing more and more products now where there's a mat that sits in the bed that actually um, cools down the bed, so it sort of sits underneath your sheets. Yeah. And that creates the optimum temperature within your bed. Trying to get the room to that level will help you sleep. I've seen lots of people saying that that's massively improved their deep sleep yeah. scores too. Yeah. And then the other thing is to make sure you've got, there's no light in the room at all. So there's no yeah. particularly blue LED lights. Yeah. So what we were saying earlier around, you know, the white LED lights, even having LED lights in the room, and I have a fan in my, in my bedroom, but this great big blue LED light to have thing on top of it every night. Because those will also distract your melatonin production too. And also, something that, um, I think two things I've found massively effective with some of my clients of sleep is, one is to take a magnesium supplement before bed. And one of my clients was waking up between three and four o'clock every single day for years and years and years, couldn't get back to sleep. After he took magnesium, he started sleeping through. Yeah. Was efficient in magnesium, and I think most people are these days. So that can make a massive difference to your sleep quality. So a concoction that I found from Tim Ferriss was you take decaffeinated tea, you put in a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, put in a tablespoon of honey. I don't know how it works, but it just knocks you out. You have it, and within 20 minutes, you are ready for bed. I don't know what the combination of honey is with the apple cider vinegar. I think some people had it with water too rather than decaffeinated tea. But that, I know, is a really, it's not the best taste in, in the world, as you can imagine, but it's really effective at just yeah. putting you in a place where you're ready for bed. I, um, I mean, this, this, again, builds another podcast, but they are all in, interlinked in terms of aggregation of um, marginal gains. But I meditate twice a day, so first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Yeah. And that really calms my mind. Um, so sometimes I'll use a guided meditation and other times I'll sit in bed and just relax 10 to 20 minutes. And that's, that's a great way just to calm the mind mm -hmm. and also get the mindset, getting ready for sleep. Yeah, I think meditation before bed is massively powerful. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a new type of meditation lately that we'll talk about in a future podcast. But... As part of the meditation course, they asked me to download and try the evening meditation. Mm. So my wife and I tried it in bed about three nights ago. I think I got past the first 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, out, gone. <laughs> I, think, I think there is something really <laughs> soothing and nice and relaxing. Mm. And I think that when I put myself in that place where I know I'm getting relaxed for bed, mm. able to switch off so, so quickly. But I know lots, lots of people do struggle to switch off. Do you know, I think it's really important, and I've noticed this recently, when I've had a conscious intention that I'm going to have a really good night's sleep, it's mm. really helped. Mm. So I'm going to have a really good and enjoyable night's sleep. Mm. And just going there mentally really makes a difference for me. If I think, do you know what, this isn't going to be good, I'm going to have a broken night's sleep, I'm going to be up during the night, well, surprise, what happens? Having a positive intention as well as layering all the stuff that we're talking around. Yeah. 
personally makes a difference for me as well. I think that's right, Ben. I think also when you get into tracking your sleep too, you have to be careful that you don't get obsessed and therefore don't get anxious about, you know, I haven't had a great night's sleep, so I'm not going to have a great day. But actually, for me personally, it does two things. One, it gamifies the whole experience. So I'm like, okay, so what's my sleep score today? What's my regular score? You know, how have I done compared to other days? Am I trending up? Am I trending down? But also what it does then do is it, it then forces you into certain habits like yeah. avoiding blue light, like getting to bed around 10.30 because you actively want to wake up in the morning and feel as good as you can possibly feel. And then you can layer on all the other things that we talk about on these podcasts. But for me, you know, tracking my sleep has really helped me get the data has then enabled me to then take action yes i don't think i would have done the things i've done if i wasn't tracking my sleep too so i think the intentionality yeah is really important whether it comes from using a sleep tracker or whether it comes from just a mindset that says i'm going to have a really great night's sleep a couple of other things that are just common sense but are worth being explicit about so not exercising straight before bed <laughs> where you've got all your dopamine levels going through the roof um, and also not eating straight before bed. So again, those are in people's control worth thinking about. Yeah, I think you certainly don't want a heavy meal before bed. Some people benefit from having a light snack. And I think that's where the Tim Ferriss tea concoction thing comes in because there's the glucose there from the honey that helps sustain you throughout your sleep cycles. So. A light snack before bed is probably fine, but to your point, you certainly don't want to be eating a heavy meal at you know half past nine at night. And and the exercise one is really interesting too. You probably want to leave at least two hours between exercising and then going yeah. to bed because yeah, you're right. You know, you do your adrenaline's going, you're pumped up. You know, and probably can take quite a while for your heart rate to come back down too. One of the things that we've touched on Ben that we've not really gone into is that you know I know lots of people that when they get to sleep they're fine they sleep the whole night and they don't tend to wake up mm. but it's the getting to sleep stage that they really struggle with and I think mm. meditation can definitely help with that and we can talk about the benefits of meditation in another podcast yeah. I think some things that I've used with clients that have been quite effective first thing is to supplement well with a amino acid at night called L-theanine and what mm. L-theanine does is L-theanine will just help relax them slightly mm. and get them more ready for sleep. L-theanine you can actually use during the day as well for focus. A bit strange given that you don't want to be focusing before you go to bed but it gives you sort of a, a calm level of focus. Then the other supplement that you can take is something called GABA what GABA does is it does just help calm the brain down. So if your brain's whizzing around, it just helps calm it down. Then couple that then with maybe a journal before bed. So anything that's bouncing around your head, you can get down on a piece of paper. Because I think sometimes when we're drifting off to sleep, it's, it's a case of, oh, I better not forget that. I better not forget that. I have to do that tomorrow. So if you can get those things out of your head and onto a piece of paper, it just helps your mind settle down and think, I'm not going to forget those things because they've been captured. Yeah, absolutely. I think a day plan 
the afternoon, the evening, the night before for the following days. Great. And again, we'll, we'll touch on a gratitude journal in more detail on the future podcast. But that's what um, somebody could do. I do that. I know you do that, which works really well as well mm. in terms of writing. Thanks for our day and what we're what we're grateful for. Um, that's a great way for me to unwind. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on the gratitude journal. I think if you are particularly stressed before you go to bed, just being truly grateful for something is going to help melt away that stress. I think that, again, it builds on why, why is it important? Because it, it keeps the mind, it keeps me in the present. So I'm forgetting about the past and I'm not worrying about the future. So it, it's really levelling. And we got a huge amount to be thank, thankful for, everybody has. So it's a great way to be present and just to be objective in terms of what's going on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So if we were going to summarize what we've discussed in terms of the listeners being able to take away some very tangible things that they can do, what are some of the three things that we've spoken about, Ben, that they can start doing almost immediately? The biggest one, I think, that we both advocate is avoiding blue lights at night. Yep. So including LED lights. So mm. that's phones, laptops, internal lights. Mm-hmm. So go back to when we were cavemen or didn't have electricity. So a, a natural state. Yeah, absolutely. And I think then we've also got trying to sleep in a cave as we would have done thousands of years ago. So it's nice and cool. Yep got you know building on your point around blue lights there's, there's literally no light in the room at all so yeah you know, just black out the windows what we could do then is to avoid eating meals late at night avoid alcohol if possible it's not always possible you know based on the but based on some of the cultural things and work things that happen but on a future podcast we can talk about how you can mitigate you know the impact of alcohol and also avoiding late night exercise. You know, these are these are some of the three things that people can be doing pretty much straight away that are going to have a significant impact on your sleep. Yeah, and they're they're within people's choice, within their their ability to influence. So for me, um, taking books to read, as we said, instead of devices to help unwind the mind, mm-hmm. writing a gratitude journal a list of things to do the following day to get those out of the head as well as meditating and if somebody's put off by that it's to start small which is the main thing just to start so even if it's for a minute or two minutes just Mm. just go there and if somebody's not sure there's there's loads of apps there's loads of books on meditating that somebody can easily um, access and understand what it's about but anything to do the principle is calming the mind yeah absolutely And I would say with this, um, we're not sat on virtuous chairs saying we don't do any of these things because you might want a night out and it might be that you're going to have a late night and you want a drink or you want you want some food later on in the night. That, that's fine. It's just being consistent with these for 80, 90 percent and getting the right balance. I think you agree with me, Ben, that you or I are not perfect and we don't strive to be perfect. I think perfection would end up being you know living like a monk sleeping in a cage meditating for 10 hours a day and you know i think everything that you hear us talk about on this podcast think of this as the you know the 80 20 rule you know you're going to be doing these things 80 percent of the time 
But what I would say is that 20% of the time that you don't do them, you make a very intentional decision. So for instance, if you have a night out with friends and you have a late meal and you're drinking alcohol, you know, just think about what you're doing the next day. You know, don't have that big presentation in work or something that requires a huge amount of focus and energy and for you to be on your A game. So it's fine to, you know, have a late night and maybe have some alcohol and a late meal or exercise late, but just make it intentional. I think that's the really important part. Yeah, I agree. And what are some things the listeners could do which could cost a small amount of money and have a larger, well, no, a, a fairly significant impact? Well, you talked around the aura ring. Would you like to expand on that for somebody that doesn't know what an aura ring is and does? Yeah, so an aura ring is a device. You can see it there. Up the webcam. So yeah. this is a piece of technology that basically uh, tracks your sleep. It not only tracks your sleep, it also tracks um, your readiness score. And I'll explain what that is in a minute. It tracks your activity, it tracks your body temperature, and it tracks how stressed you are. So when I sleep in the in the evening, it's tracking all of those things. But from a sleep point of view, it's tracking my when I'm awake, how quickly mm. I'm if I get if I get up in the evening to go to the bathroom, it's tracking my deep sleep and it's tracking my dream sleep called REM sleep too. So when I wake up in the morning, it gives me a sleep score. Okay. And then it then takes a combination of my sleep score, my activity levels from the previous day and week, my body temperature and how stressed I am. It tells me how ready I am for a full-on day. So depending on my score. I will then decide how much I exercise that day. Am I ready to have a full-on day of back-to-back meetings? Do I need to give myself a bit, of, a bit of space in the day to try and get some rejuvenation time? Do I need to do, maybe do a slightly longer meditation to put myself in the right place? And I think for me, it's probably been one of the most impactful things because I am the kind of person, Ben, that will historically a push, 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 a work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And that's really making me think about sometimes I need to slow down to go faster. So getting really into, you know, what's impacting my sleep and my stress levels. And, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that I've got from the aura ring is is that because it measures my body temperature. I recently went on a trip to Egypt and picked up some food poisoning or a virus. I'm not I'm not quite sure which. Mm. But every day for 10 days, the aura ring was telling me that my body temperature was elevated. Sure. So I didn't feel, I mean, I felt dreadful for about 12 hours. Then I was tired. After that, I didn't feel quite right. Mm. But having the data behind it really made me think about, okay, I really have to prioritize recovery, which includes sleep. So I was then trying my best to try and get as many sleep cycles in as I could. So I was getting more like six sleep cycles in to get as close to the between eight and, and a nine hour mark as possible. Because when you are in a place where you're either physically unwell, maybe you're mentally unwell or you're stressed, I think sleep becomes a lot more important. But I think yeah. for me, the aura ring has given me the data points on which to take those actions. Great stuff. 
you're more into gadgets than I am. Are there any other uh, things that people can buy that you would advocate where they're getting a massive bang for their buck? I mentioned the sleep mats, um, the cool the bed down. Now, I've not tried these myself. I know lots of people have, and mm. they've had great results. Um, there were two companies that seem to be the market leaders, and you can put those in the show notes. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's something that can definitely help people, particularly if they get too warm in bed. I think apart from that, not really. I think, you know, from a, from a sleep point of view, there are, you know, there are some devices that you can wear around your head that play binaural beats that help drop you more into a sleepy state. They've never really appealed to me because the thought of having something on my head when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. Drop. Plus, you know, I'm an advocate of, you know, trying to have technology out of the room. As yeah. And, you know, even the aura ring up on airplane mode. Yeah. So that there's no sort of EMFs. So I think for me, this probably is probably one of the areas around gadgets where I'd say less is more. Yeah. And if somebody's wanting to get to, to theta in terms of beta, alpha, theta in terms of frequency, meditation's free, then it's a great way of doing that, again, to calm the mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can use things like binaural beats, but I'd probably, and we'll talk about that in a, in a future podcast, but I'd probably say do that as part of your routine to go mm. to bed rather than something that you do in bed. Great stuff. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening and we hope that you enjoyed the show. You can find the video, audio and detailed show notes at www.upgradedexecutive.com At the end of this 10-episode podcast series, we will send all of our subscribers an exclusive ebook which summarizes everything that Ben and I discuss on the show. Be sure to leave your details on our website. You can also find us on all of our social platforms at Connect With UE.